I guess one thing that we always talked about in the uh, first series, right when me and Beyond had released the film, was like this whole idea about not putting stuff online while it's going around the festival circuit. Mm. How much longer do you have before you can put it up? Well, I think it's like a, like everybody, I think a year more or less since the first festival and yeah. then uh, I'll put it online. I think it's, it's, I mean, today it's just a bit of a weird rule that we we apply to ourselves, I think, you know, nothing beats uh, a Vimeo staff peak, <laughs> yeah. you know, in terms of uh, exposure. Uh, I guess it's more for glory that you want to be in festivals, like where you are judged by your peers and mm. you are acknowledged as a person, like a director that counts. I don't know. I mean, there is a bit of a, uh, yeah, there is probably a bit of pride in that as well, mm. uh, of being touring around the world mm. um, but as I was saying earlier like what I like with the 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 festival circuit is that animation is kind of a niche where mm. uh, mostly animators love animation and, mm. and some people <laughs> like animation as well um, that are not working in that um, medium mm. and what I like with festivals is that when you're taken in a film festival it actually gives exposure of animated films uh, somewhere else and um, I never considered animation as a genre because I also do live action and mm. I really like using both me- both medium but it just depends on what films you're doing and I like festivals for that because it kind of puts your film in a spotlight um, in different places whereas like internet is is everybody can access it but it's so vast and there is so much content uploaded mm. every second that you know it's it's kind of a it's a bit of a bottle in the sea as well so yeah. i mean you, you were saying earlier you sort of like getting into film festivals because it means that the film's being recognized as a film and not just an animated project but like even when like a couple of our projects have got into like Edinburgh, which is a film festival, but yeah. it's always in an, the animated category. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Has yours got into any film festivals where it's been included with other live action? Yes, films? yeah, oh, yeah. Has. In uh, Huesca in Spain, which is a big one, it's like a Goya qualifying and Oscar oh, okay. qualifying festival. So it's kind of a big one, and they really don't they don't distinguish uh, the the films if it's animation or live action mm. oh, that's brilliant. Uh, Rhode Island I'm um, in a category that is not uh, it's just international short okay. films um, so yeah I, I, I really like that we aren't judged for mm. the quality of the film and I think an animation director takes the same decision as a live action director yeah uh, you know, you you have an opinion on everything, on the the acting, on the makeup, on the the wardrobe, on the light, on the way mm-hmm. the camera should move, on the edit, on the sound design. I mean, it's just you choose a different medium, but it's it's exactly. I mean, it's storytelling in the end. So mm-hmm. you, you, I think you got quite an interesting perspective because you do you do do live action and animation as well. Like, what's the what what are the fundamental differences for you? Like in the in, in the sort of process or the decision making of making live action stuff well I think it's um, I think I mean what I love about animation is the control that you have you, you're like a god really uh, and you have your own world and you you have time to make decisions you have time to change your mind as well you you can really shape the thing exactly as you want uh, and you can control every single thing which is amazing but it's time consuming and it, it takes hours and it's very tiring and it's very expensive as well whereas on the other side live action what i love about it is the immediacy of thing you know you just you have four days three days of shoot and you do it and it's it's done and so 
from this immediacy, you also have a lot of surprises. You have a lot of things that uh, you can't really control, which, mm. which I love because, you know, all of a sudden an actor does something you didn't expect. Mm. There's the light you didn't expect. You're uh, shooting outside, outdoors, and you have this amazing setup that, you know, you mm. didn't plan to have. I really like that. So um, I think I love going from one to the other mm. because the control I love, but then, you know, I don't have any surprises in animation. It never really happens. Um, Was it quite a big paradigm shift to move to live action from animation for you? Yeah, I think I, I, I think the first short film I did in animation in uh, live action. I think I was a bit confused about how to approach it, mm. and I think I was too controlling. Um, I did a storyboard that was, I did a super super strict storyboard about it. Is that the with the wind? Uh, no, that's uh, that's uh, that's another film. It's called The Elaborate End of Robert Ebb. Ah, I really it's like by, that. It's by a guy stuck yeah, in a monster yeah, yeah. costume. Um, and and I, that's I think the first live yeah, action. That's thing the first had. really real live action thing okay. I did. And I think uh, I tried to control too much. Like my storyboard was super super uh, strict and precise uh, to the point where we adapted the storyboard to the location that we, mm. we chose. Um, and so it was super prescriptive. I didn't really let myself go into making, mm. um, using what was before my eyes uh, when I was shooting it. So I think uh, I'm learning to let go a bit more uh, mm. when I do live action. Um, but I also love what it informed me about how to use cameras for animation as well mm. uh, okay. I think uh, in animation I was a little bit too uh, front side front side mm. uh, whereas now I try to l use cameras a little bit differently uh, mm. depending on the project and when you when you're directing uh, animation do you because you have a background in 3D so are you actually moving the cameras yourself or are you getting somebody else to do that or is it a bit of both it depends I used to do it always uh, now it depends I mean if it's a if it's a commercial uh, I tend to work with with um, somebody that does like layout uh, right. and that are better than me at, faster mm -hmm. than me at doing that but like it's a bit frustrating because I, I'm very particular so uh, mm -hmm. sometimes I take the mouse and I do it myself yeah. but I'm not very fast so it's a bit uh -huh. frustrating for the guy that I'm working yeah. with so that can be annoying but um yeah, I think it's important. I mean, it's it's important to... I mean, that's the most important part for a director, I guess. After, production is almost... It's tiring and boring, <laughs> almost. Yeah. It's just like making happen all the decisions we've already made, so... Mm. Um, and it and when you're doing live-action stuff, how, how do you sort of plan out the, the shots and cinematography? Is that... Uh, is that like storyboards, shot lists, conversations with the DOP? Or? I used to I used to do storyboards. Uh, I still do sometimes. It depends what I try to do. But I like shot lists because it's a bit more um, open, uh, and it gives you. It's not prescriptive. It gives. It it just helps me um, defining what 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 I really want to establish in terms of tone but then it gives the freedom to the DOP to also come with his own ideas mm. and uh, I quite like working with that it's a bit more organic mm. um, and uh, yeah I, I use more the, like the, the, the medium as it should be used mm. uh, I think it's less interesting to shoot with storyboard unless you have an action sequence that needs to be super precise mm -hmm. um, and is it um, it, with the shot list do you sort of 
are you very kind of hot on how you structure your day in terms of getting these kind of shots at the beginning, these kind of shots at the end, or is it just all about yeah, free I mean, form? Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's really the, the first AD, first AD uh, that is uh, amazing at that because, I mean, it's, it's extremely hard to... Um, uh, right now, like a month ago, I did this music video and we were shooting in three different places uh, in a day and with like lots of uh, makeup and transformation and costume and and choreography and it was it was a lot to deal with at uh, at once and uh, we did very unimportant shots for like three hours and then we had like uh, probably eight minutes to do the one shot that mattered yeah and and it worked somehow but I was <laughs> I was really stressed about mm. it but. Um, yeah, it, it was. It wasn't supposed to work this way, but it it worked. Uh, we really didn't do the most important things first, uh, but I think also it's hard to start with the most important thing because you're you're cold. You need to mm. kind of like warm up, warm up a little bit. So it's mm. good to do shit stuff to start with. I, I guess, guess that there's probably like um, a, a, a kind of. Um, uh, you know, like a midpoint where people are a bit warmed up but they're not tired out that they yeah. can still kind of do yeah, stuff yeah. like but also I think when you're tired it's kind of interesting because you make mistakes but it's also you're more essential you mm. know it's like uh, I don't know if you've probably been through that when you're at uni and you know you, you've left it to the last minute to do something that yeah. takes normally five days and you I'm have a night I'm feeling pretty essential right now yeah. <laughs> and you just you just go for yeah. it and I quite like this uh this kind of uh, no bullshit mode mm. it's it's pretty good mm. you get good things uh i've always got gotten good things uh, out of that mm. so with the elaborate end of robert webb that is that um uh that was something that you co-directed with two other people yes. right yeah yeah so how does that work on set with like three directors uh-huh. well you know how it works because you you co-direct as well no it's uh... <laughs> but i think with animation it's a bit different yeah, I don't because know. Because you've mean, got like a, I mean, you don't have to make decisions immediately. Like we true. can have a meeting and then we can have maybe another meeting about it and it's change true, your minds yeah. later on or what. No, I mean, what happened is that at the time I was uh, co-directing everything with a guy called Matt uh, Landour and mm-hmm. uh, we were a directing duo. And um, so it was very, very smooth between us because we we, mm-hmm. we used to work together and uh, we have very different personality, but we're very complementary. So it was, it was super smooth. And we um, when we had this opportunity to make this film, I really wanted to include my uh, very old friend, uh, Clément Bola, mm-hmm. uh, who is an art director at uh, Art & Graft. I mean, he's, he's, he's amazing. He's super, super talented. I've known him since I'm three. Uh, he's really, uh, yeah, he's like my brother, really. And actually, he just got a baby girl uh, last week. So it's kind of cool. Um, and yeah, basically, I really wanted to include him because I've done, when I was a teenager, I've done like probably hundreds of films with him, uh, like really shit homemade films. Yeah. Uh, he was always with monsters, always with blood, always was it, with... Uh, like, what, how were you making them? Uh, just with a VHS-C record, cam recorder. So yeah. basically we were shooting and editing at the same time. Right. So if the take was not good, we had to redo the take. Were they like stop motion things? Uh, no, no, it was films. It was proper films. Oh, with... So you had people dressed up? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was us. So we were doing the girls as well. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a convenient but age where, that. you know, we didn't have facial hair yet. So we could be girls and boys. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was amazing because we, we also had like a... A Walkman, you know, with like a speaker. Yeah. So we're doing the music at the same time, but we had to stop recording 
and stop playing the music at the same time. Otherwise, there was like shitty cuts, and obviously all the cuts were shit. In, uh, in <laughs> have in, you got in any? Of them? Yeah, yeah, I've got like loads. Oh man, and like, yeah, they're amazing. Up. You should put them up, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to do. I mean, if I become very known one day, I'll do like a special bonus <laughs> <laughs> on one of my DVDs is or any, Blu-rays or whatever. Is there any like when looking back at them? Is there any sort of ones you're like, oh, that was a pretty decent idea? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think no, no, the, the, no, no. <laughs> the ideas were shit. It was terrible. It was always the same scenario. It was like a, an old an old woman being harassed uh, or assaulted, and then she would get her revenge and, and kick ass. Who so, played the old woman? Oh, they're, oh they're we took turns. But it was like always we put like film. a we put <laughs> like a how do you call like a yeah a, a headscarf a headscarf, uh, and then we were an old woman. So. Yeah, no, the ideas were shit, but it was quite well directed sometimes. I oh, mean, we had it? good ideas. Uh, okay. So, yeah. And so basically, when I had the opportunity to do this short film, uh, I really wanted to do it with him um, because we had so many great experiences when we were uh, younger. And so it was pretty easy to, to be just three because we just had fun and we were friends. So it was... It was pretty epic, that film. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's like a huge Yeah, but you know, it, no? it is... To me, it, the key is to be naive, uh, yeah. really, because with live action, I'm always much more naive than I think I am. Mm. I always think it's going to be easy, and come on, it's just... Yeah. It, uh, to me, it was just a film about like a, a guy stuck in a monster costume, so it was not a massive deal, and I didn't account the fact that it was all shot at night, uh, all, sh- all made supposedly made in the 60s you know mm. uh, in America but we had to shoot in Brittany in France we had to reproduce America and with a monster costume and that shit was loads of extras yeah shit loads of extras I mean it's, it's only when we started shooting that I realized, fuck, it's massive and it's complicated. Because my producer was like, but you don't realize, you don't understand. And I was like, come on, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, if I can visualize it, it means it's not so complicated. And uh, it was a, a, a logistic nightmare, really, to make yeah. it. And, who, and where did the money come from? Who was the producer? So, uh, well, France is amazing for fundings, uh, mm. for films, and we got everything from the CNC, which is like uh, uh, the equivalent of the BFI mm-hmm. in France. And um, yeah, we got 107,000 um, uh, euros at the time. Wow. Which, wow. Is, which is good because we, I mean, we spent, we spent it all, of course. That's like 15 uh, quid now. Yeah. <laughs> Was you able to pay yourselves with that? No, 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 no. As it no. went on budget? No, no, we didn't get paid. Uh, we used all the money for... But even the producer used most of the money uh, okay. on it. Um, I mean, we had amazing deals. Like, guys, the guys that do all the sets for Aardman did the, our costume because they wow. were really excited doing something a bit big for once. Wow. And um, really, the costume should have cost £80,000. And we did it for 10000 Um And yeah, I mean, this film should have cost like probably 500000 Euros and we did it with one hundred thousand, which, which is good. I mean, it was still done on short film rates and stuff, but everybody yeah. was paid. I mean, it was yeah. it was good. Like we we could we could do something good, but it was epic. It was my first uh, mm. experience in live action professionally, and uh, I realized after doing it that it was much more complicated than I thought it would mm. be. Um, but mm. I, I bless that the fact to be a bit naive. I think uh, I know I'm a lazy person. If uh, I, I hate 
Mm. I hate struggle and pain. I don't know why I do animation because it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking stupid. But uh, but I don't like if I know it's going to be hard. I hate it, so I just try to go the easier way. So I'm happy when I actually underestimate things because then I just do it and oh, yeah. it's just you, once you're in it, you just don't have a choice. It's amazing that, isn't it? When yeah. you just go, I've, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I, I want to do it. Yeah. And if you'd really sat down and think and thought about that process beforehand and really like made an educated decision about doing it, I've been thinking it. about this recently because you know how like people as they get older they. A lot of people on balance like make less and less good stuff the older yeah. they get, right? And I wonder if it's just that, that you don't know what you're getting yourself in for when you're younger um, and you're not afraid of all the pain that you're going to have to go through. And so you kind of take on these massive projects, but yeah. maybe that's something that you wouldn't take on yeah. when you're older or you would you take less risks. I don't know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, is there, when you look at like old directors, like there's not many old directors that still are good uh, I know Spielberg is a bit boring now, and I love Spielberg, but like, mm. really, it's uh, it's a bit safe, you know, what he does. Yeah, uh, I can't think of the last good film he did. Has I anyone mean, seen BFG? No. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. Um, no, but I don't know. I mean, Scorsese, like, he, he tries to reinvent himself. He's, yeah, I he's, think he does an all right job, yeah. actually. I think he's... He's, he's still interesting, mm. but I think... I don't know... I. Is it? I don't know what what explained that, but I know that I, I'm scared of of uh, aging in that sense. That uh, you know, trying to take shortcuts because I just don't want to be bothered. Mm. Um, and you can see that sometimes with a uh, with uh, even producers. You know, sometimes like mm. uh, sometimes you you you're working with older producers that say no instantly because. Yeah. They've been through so many shit. They know it's going to mm. be much harder. And, and yeah. you work with younger producers and they say yes. And, and they have this get-go attitude. And, and yeah. yeah, you're going to suffer. You're going to struggle. But you're going to get something out of it. Yeah. Um, I, I really like this attitude. I don't know how long it's going to last. but I think, <laughs> yeah. it just, I think it's just when it, when it just becomes a job. Yeah. Like, that's when you, you become an uninterested. Yeah. You're, because you're uninterested. Yeah, I think and also people like Spielberg must be. I mean, like, what's what's Spielberg's day like? He must wake up in the morning and just have to go and like count his money for like at least three or four hours like every four day. Like I mean, he, but he's producing probably fifteen that, films at the same time. That, that's what I mean. He's got player. a lot of other responsibilities other than making a film. Like, I have no idea how J.J. Abrams, you know, like directed Star Wars. He like runs a fucking film company, yeah. and he's like, no, it's insane. You know, he's like producing Cloverfield Road, they, and they, they, I've read that Spielberg is super um, uh, surrounded. Basically, he delegates right, a lot, yeah. and for example, he only talks on the set to the main actors and actresses, yeah. and all the secondary parts mm. uh, are being casted so well at first and they rehearse with the casting director etc so basically right. they arrive on set they are ready he doesn't really have to direct them because otherwise imagine I mean, the guy one minute of Spielberg is worth yeah. so much yeah, yeah. It be, <laughs> yeah. it's ridiculous yeah it's like it's, it's got to be like the West Wing just like walk, <laughs> constantly like walking around people like handing him things and crazy saying stuff. things to him um, so talking about like reinventing uh, yourself I guess so to build a fire was the first 2D thing yes. you've done, is that right? Ever. Yes, ever. Even like in commercial or anything? No, I never did 2D. Really? I did like mini, mini uh, 
one shot here and there, but like I never did a two. But you thing. draw, right? You illustrate. I draw, but I'm, I'm I'm I draw. I like drawing, but I'm not. I don't like what I draw necessarily. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought 2D was just the natural thing for this film. Uh, I don't know. I just pictured it in, in 2D, and I thought it was. I wanted to have something quite um, uh, simple and essential again. You, you know, like go straight forward, and I didn't want to. I didn't want it to be technical or uh, to be affected by the technique so much. I mean, it ended up being very technical because yeah. I had this kind of uh, glorified idea of a, a 2D animation, you know, back to the roots and stuff. Yeah. And ah, it's so hard. I mean, 2D animation is so hard. And I was so frustrated because I can't animate for shit in 2D. I mean, really, I was useless for a big part. I mean, I was directing. I was, I was also production managing a lot of things and stuff. So I was really involved in a lot of things. But it's a, it's such a hard job and and. One thing that I didn't plan was the cleanup. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's always horrific. the thing that gets you, isn't it? That's yeah. the worst. What was it animated in? So, well, that's the other thing. Like, uh, you know Alex Grigg, he's a good friend. Yeah. Um, he's amazing, super talented. He and told you to animate in Photoshop. Well, I saw his, <laughs> I saw his films that I loved, oh. and I saw his tutorial that made it look so simple what to animate in Photoshop. Wigsy. What are you so, doing? I decided that it was a good way forward and that was um, we animated actually in Flash but we cleaned in Photoshop which was a terrible mistake because it was so heavy and yeah. so not designed for that and we were doing the film in 4K almost so oh it was God. just I mean okay I have to say his name because he's amazing like we, we did all the clean with the, in partnership with the University of Bournemouth so it was part of um is, the, is the, the art school or the... Uh, the arts. The, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, sorry, the Arts University of Bournemouth. Because there's two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say the Arts University of Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, and one of their student, freshly graduate students, uh, proposed to just take charge of organizing the clean with like some students that were, uh, um, you know, that wanted to give us a hand, etc. And it was supposed to be like a three-month uh, thing and he ended up spending like six and a half months. Wow. And his name is David Blanch. He's amazing. He's like, mm. he's a warrior. He's like yeah. a guy that never gives up and he sacrificed his Christmas for me. He's oh just, I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and also I didn't want to... That's the thing like, I don't like to do when I do an animated film is thinking that, oh, it's animation, so I have to use the constraint. Mm. It's like, no, I don't care. Like, if I want to do a one-and-a-half-minute shot, I do a one-and-a-half-minute mm. shot because I don't want to think, oh, it's animation, it's going to be complicated. Mm. And, uh, but so he had to, to clean like, some one-and-a-half-minute shots of but for, animation. I, mean, I think Photoshop has its place. I mean, I think that there's, you know, like we... Did a photo edit. <laughs> Probably, I think we, we, you know, we talked to Alex Grigg on on this podcast about like, you know, using Photoshop and Moth Collective use yeah. it quite a lot to work. Wednesday use yeah. it a lot, and I think it's kind of like there's a way of using it which is it, it kind of defines the kind of product that you yeah. end up having, um, and you know, there's a certain technique for using it's it which true. makes sense. But I mean, yeah, like in a production environment. Yeah, unless you're using like really specific brushes or something, I think we've definitely moved away from that. I think yeah, because TV Paint just does it. it; it can do all that, and and even like the main argument for people work continuing to work in Photoshop is just like oh the brushes though the brushes, and 
uh, we've we've got an intern at the moment, amazing uh, Nathan. Yeah, and he's uh, he was you know running me through like how you build brushes in there, and he was like, you can actually build way better brushes in TV paint. You've got yeah. so much more control. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to make a brush for ages, and he just did it in like two four seconds. minutes. Yeah, and but it was so specific. I think it's also the thing that you know the licensing, the fact that we had lots. I mean, everybody has uh, Adobe license and yeah, Photoshop yeah, yeah. license, and you know I wanted to find because I had a lot of help from people that were not in the studio as well, so. I think it was it was a pragmatic decision on the logistic aspect. It was a terrible decision on in terms of a, a practicality of use uh, for the project we were doing. Did they not also, use TV Paint in Bournemouth? Uh, no, no. Uh, yes, they had. They were using a bit TV Paint, but like I think it was it was not. Um, uh, we didn't have a lot of licenses at ah, Nexus yeah. neither, and I couldn't invest in licenses, so I was doing a partnership with Nexus, they co-produced the film and they offered the studio. Um, but I had to use what, whatever we had yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as programs and we, di- we didn't have a lot of uh, um, TV paint license at the time. Right. Um, no, it ended up being a much harder process than it should have been. And also I think, you know, the guy at the Moth, for example, are, they are animators themselves and directors. So mm. I think, you know, they animate to the their own way I'm not a 2D animator I should have I think I should have uh, investigated uh, a bit more mm. um, but anyway I mean but it worked it, in the end no? it's, mm. it was just painful mm. I think it's a big I don't know it's kind of a big unknown for a lot of people who are mm. starting 2D animation jobs there's not one way you should do it I mean there's so many there's so many reasons why you wouldn't use TV paint I mean it takes you've you got to buy a, a license and then they send you a dongle in mm. the post and then, like, yeah. it's really expensive. Mm. And Yeah, it's like, you know, what, for the full version, it's like a couple grand or something. Yeah, mm. and with and with Photoshop, you get... Okay. Uh, I mean, like, Nathan, we should say his full name's Nathan Atania. Yeah, sorry. A- yeah. Atania. And he... Uh, 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 yeah, he's he's always, like, singing the praises. He, he did an internship at TV Paint and he... Um, he's always singing the praises of like the professional version which we haven't actually used and there's yeah. so many things you can do with it mm. that I didn't it, even realise the professional that. version yeah. looks amazing he's doing yeah. boards in it and it just yeah. looks incredible the, the uh, mm. but it is like there is a little bit of like a bar to entry like just in terms of getting your head around a whole other way of doing things and there's less people who know how to use it than Photoshop for example mm. it's much quicker to pick up Photoshop and everyone's like tons of studios have got those licenses installed yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway so i mean it's going to be it it was practical for me as well because i could use it very easily and uh, you know once the animators were gone i could just use the things etc uh, did you do clean up on it i did a bit of clean up um which i thought was going to be an easy thing and it's so hard and <laughs> it's fucking hard. i just i mean seriously uh, we always budget s- when we quote uh, jobs we always budget double the amount of time for cleanup as we do for animation rough. yeah yeah but yeah i mean i mean for us it was probably six times more i mean it's really? it's it was so painful and so complicated and we had so many layers and no it was it was much harder than it should have been um mm. and uh yeah i mean it was it was just painful for the people using it and i felt very sorry because once we were in it we it was too late like mm. i mean we couldn't we couldn't change so mm. um yeah, it was a long process. And, and you spoke to Greg since? 
uh, yes, no. I mean, uh, I, I mean, it's not his fault. I mean, I, I made my I made my own decision. He didn't force me, you know. Uh, but I think he did a, 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 a terrific tutorial that misled me a little bit. <laughs> I feel like we should give him space to respond on this part. At the end of this podcast, we should get a little uh, <laughs> little soundbite. Yeah, yeah. no, Alex is amazing, though. He uses perfectly uh, yeah. the software, but. I didn't. <laughs> and so, were you doing design work on it then? Yes. Uh, so I. So at first, I asked a lot of friends uh, that are designers that I really love um, to make some designs for the character when I was in exploratory phase. Uh, I was designing myself as well the character, but like guys like Colin uh, Bigelow, mm-hmm. um, guys like uh, um, Oren Askins, mm. uh, Marie Thorhaug, uh, she's uh, Danish. Um, Hélène Leroux, um, lots of people. I mean, I'm I'm forgetting a lot of people, but basically they all uh, happily and uh, uh, kindly made some designs because I I wanted really to explore lots of things. And then I kind of collaged some of my stuff with some of theirs Mm. to decide of the final design. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was really useful because, I mean, I'm only limited to what I do and I really like uh, to work with designers because it's always opening so many so yeah. many doors so it was a, it was a really fun process but then i mean if you see the credits there is loads of designers because obviously they all worked mm. on making things um and for the for the backgrounds i worked with tristan menard mm. um who who is, wicked. who is wicked and who is uh it's funny because he was my first ever intern and at the time he wanted to become a matte painter and concept artist but he was in super infocom doing 3d films etc and um, and he was he was okay, but he was not very good. And uh, I could really see the progress. And then he did like internship with painting practice. And he he really really I mean he is so dedicated. Yeah. And he grew so much. And last year, uh, basically, at first I was supposed to do the the film with the art director uh, being Colin Bigelow, who's really amazing and who used to be the creative director, the uh, art director at Nexus for four years. And um, but he was going on uh, in Australia, getting married, and he was going to be away. So then uh, I approached Tristan and I asked Colin, "Do you think Tristan is going to be good enough, uh, or is he going to be um, strong enough uh, or confident enough to do it?" And um, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, sure." And then I approached Tristan, and he was he was a bit scared, but he did a, a terrific job. And then we worked with a lot of other matte painters yeah. that helped him. But he really did the art direction, and and yeah, he was amazing. I mean, yeah. he's a really talented guy, and he's yeah. an amazing human being as well. Yeah. we worked on yeah. with him on a couple of. Uh, can I ask a bit about like the how the film? Uh, got made like in terms of the finances because you did a crowdfunding thing yes. as well yeah for indiegogo so basically so what happens that i've i've always wanted to do this film and at first i wanted to do it as live action and then i thought well it's not the right um medium because it's going to be super hard to get what i want to get this really epic approach to the film um it's it's a Jack London's novel that happens in the Yukon. It's it's really about the nature and the man versus nature, really kind of a, a film. And so um, then I thought, okay, animation is is really the way forward because then I'm not l- limited. I can do whatever I want. If I want to do helicopter shots, it's not a problem. And so 
that was very, very uh, sure in my mind that that was the right medium. And then um, I teamed up with a, a, a friend of mine in Paris who was making his own uh, production company. And um, he, he's the one really that really told me, uh, hey, you've been talking about doing this film for two years. Why don't we just do it? And then he just came to London and he forced me to start the storyboard, which was really cool because he, he sat next to me for me to do it. So he was doing <laughs> his own sh stuff like next to me, but I just... I felt really bad, so I had to do something, and that's really him that kickstarted the project. And is this then composite films, yeah, composite film. And uh, his name is Sam uh, Steninger. He's he's really a wonderful guy. I mean, I really, really love him. He's the, he's everything you want from a producer. Really, he's a super um, uh, he's super dedicated, super uh, focused about like doing the best thing possible. Uh, Uh, really never giving up he loves problem solving which uh, is the first quality I guess mm. um, so then we decided okay do we try to get normal fundings which is long a very long and hard process and you know in France it's uh, you can get fundings but before you get the fundings you need to be part of the circles and it can take a lot of time yeah. to network and do everything so We decided to go for crowdfunding uh, first, and so we did a crowdfunding campaign that was super successful because we, we wanted 25,000 euros and we had 26,000 euros. So we're very happy about that. And then we got um, a TV channel in front that put 15,000 euros. Wow. Um, Which uh, channel was that? It was uh, France Television. It's like BBC. Uh, so it was a good really good partner to have. And then we got like... A, a and then does that mean they own... Part of it? No, 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 no. I mean, the the oh, no, no. It's not copyright in okay, France. Right. It's uh, the it's the author's rights system. So it's it's one of the most protective system right. in the world. And basically, I own my my creations forever, no okay. matter what. Even if I sell them, I still own, have ownership, uh, intellectual ownership on them. So with TV, it's the France same. Is, just, France is a wicked place. I mean, for yeah. that, it's we're the. I mean, and we're really, really threatened by the EU, by the mm. Transatlantic Treaty and everything because everywhere else in the world it's about copyright so mm. you know you sell something and that's for good mm. uh, in France what, you can what, never do that what makes it because it's a French production technically yeah okay it's, it's a French uh, British production because then uh, once we got like uh, some money and then we got a bit more money here and there and can I just ask what was the 20,000 why did why was that the cap when you did your crowdfunding uh, because 25, no? Yeah, 25. Or, oh, were you, trying, were you trying to get 25 and you got 26? Yeah. Right, okay. Well, the cap was 25 because first we wanted to ask for 10,000 because we, when we looked online what was the right amount, uh, I mean, it's very rare that a short film gets more than 10,000, so we knew it was a big stretch to ask for 25. Uh, and we knew we could, we would be very hard to get much more. I mean, Simon's Cat, they did like a... Um, a short film and they managed to get like 200 or something yeah. massive but they have a lot of exposure exactly for the series, so, really. and also it's, it's, it's to kickstart a series as well so it's a bit different um, so we knew the people that give us money I mean you know we had nice rewards but <laughs> it was yeah. just uh, you know I mean it was money lost for them uh, anyway did um, you get any support from Indiegogo in terms of promotion or no anything? nothing and uh, no nothing which uh, which was surprising because we were a successful one and mm. you know it was going well and we knew we would uh, hit our uh, mark mm. so it was kind of a why uh, did you choose to go with Indiegogo uh, because you can keep whatever is given 
uh, you just get taxed more if you don't reach your uh, cap. Okay. Um, but you can keep uh, whatever so is given. So with Kickstarter, if you... If don't you don't get, the get gold, you lose it all. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's all or nothing with Kickstarter. Okay. Uh, whereas with Indiegogo, we we could keep, and we knew that uh, whatever right. we have was a, was a good start. Um, the money went very fast because obviously uh, twenty thousand. You don't do much with that. Mm. But the good thing is that it helped us do enough to get more money. So mm. we had like enough uh, animation, enough backgrounds, enough things to show um, to get more money. So it, it really helped uh, us and I think we did this film in, in, in a year and a half um, when normally it would take three, two or three years with the normal funding system Yeah. so I'm super happy we did it this way um, and what was the you, final budget? In, well in think? total uh, if, you, if you cost everything um, there is a difference between the money we spent and and, and, time, and, so. and and the time etc. But it's a film that cost a hundred and fifty thousand. You know, with all the time we spent on it etc. But it was done with um, uh, a real budget of uh, I think it was uh, I think it's around sixty. But I'm not sure because like. Uh, there is a lot of things that are valued. So basically, um, Sam told me that it's it's more or less a hundred thousand pound film, but it was not done with a hundred thousand pound. Because you calculate a lot of things. A lot of people gave favors and work for free. And yeah, you you were about to say something uh, before we started talking about Indiegogo. About there was uh, there was the French TV channel that funded you, and then there was. Yeah, we, Something we, else. we we had like a distributor uh, that uh, came in and put some money in okay. as well, and uh, some little uh, little fundings. Uh, we had fundings for the music as well, um, which is great because it allowed us yeah. to record the music with um, uh, an amazing composer, Mathieu Alvado, who who does some features, a lot of short film because he loves the short film form because he has that's where he has the most freedom, mm. um, and he's a bit crazy. I mean, he's wonderful. Uh, because he is a guy with uh, uh, only one standard, and the standard is it has to be perfect. So I quite, I quite like this kind of attitude because, like, okay, if you wanna if you wanna live like a prince, just behave like a prince. You know, start like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. even if you're poor, it's like it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. And so he was like, there is n- no dreams were too big, and he was like, yeah, uh, let's. Re-. I, I was asking, okay, what's the best way to record it? He was like, oh, the best the best orchestras are in London. It's the Philharmonia or the London Symphony Orchestra. And uh, and then I said as a joke, yeah, oh yeah, well, let's record with them, you know. I mean, it's impossible. It's so expensive and stuff. And then uh, Sam, uh, I don't know, I mean, probably what we were talking earlier about pride, you know, I think yeah. he was like, ah, oh, you're challenging me. So he was <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to record with them. And he managed to have an amazing deal. And apparently they never recorded short film Is music. Is that the London Symphony? Yeah, the London Symphony accepted. And we teamed up with two other short films. We found other short films that needed music. Um, and that were excited about recording it with a, an orchestra because it is expensive. I mean, it's mm. much more expensive than doing digital music. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it sounds incredible. Yeah, and, the music and so, for the film is... I was yeah. blown away. Honestly, it, I was sitting in, when I went to the screen and the sound come on, or the music came on, and I was like, oh, shit, it, this it, is like... It's feature. It's like yeah. a feature stand by it's, a long, you know... 
it's the closest to a feature that I've ever been. You know, it's just I mean, a, it the like, music was. I mean, the recording session was. It's one of the strongest things I've ever experienced uh, mm. in filmmaking because I don't know. I mean, you have the best players in the world playing music. Like you know, they discover the the, the partition like on the day so it's like they don't train they just the first thing they play is amazing and then you have this uh, uh, the the sound engineer was a uh, Jeff Foster who is the the guy that does all the big all the big films like he he's worked with name any composer he's worked with them um he's he's the most incredible man and basically you know, I mean, the first time they played the music, I was I was in tears because I was like, "Oh my god, it's amazing, it's so beautiful," and uh, and I was like, "Well, that's done. I mean, that's that's amazing." And he, and the guy was like, "Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, you know, um, the bar forty two, maybe the violin. You should do a bit more that, and then a bar seventy three. I mean, the guy remembers everything, yeah. and he gave like direction like that, and and the orchestra was redoing it, and every time it was better mm. until it was perfect, and mm. it's. It's just incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. that is... Um, I'm so happy because not only the, the the music, but the sound design as well. We worked with a company called Phonic, mm. uh, who are based in the Hackney City Farm. And um, they, they are really an amazing sound design company. But also, they went, they jumped on the project and they really didn't count their time. And they really, really worked hard to make every single aspect of the sound be as perfect as possible and uh and i'm super happy because the sound is so important for me and usually that's the thing you know we always compromise on that because Mm. at the end of the project we don't have money anymore we spend everything on image and the sound is something we compromise too much on and on this film we we Mm. really didn't compromise Mm. and um i guess it's kind of a minimal film so it's quite yeah nice to let that sound the music takes yeah i mean we have stage. two colors we have blue and white so <laughs> it's kind of a, we need to have a, a bit more texture in the sound it's not the first film you've made set in the snow is it no yes it's weird i do a lot of films in the snow and i fucking hate the cold i oh, don't really? know why <laughs> i don't know why you went and shot a live action video. yeah i did a music video in the snow actually in romania in transylvania in the middle of winter it was minus 15 amazing. and it was Super hard, but amazing experience as well. I mean, we were a tiny crew. We were like five. So uh, it was like the most basic crew you can have. Um, but I don't know. I think, I don't know why I do so many things in the snow. Uh, I just like it. I mean, on, on this project, I just thought, I just love the story of this man fighting for his survival. And the only thing he can do to survive is to build a fire. Is is so raw and, and simple mm. Um, and it's really the basic of the basics of so many stories of survival. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's always one thing. Your life is is hold on a thread, and there's one thing you need to do to survive. Mm-hmm. And I find that so um, human and essential, and something we can all see ourselves in. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've all all faced moments where you know one tiny thing could fuck up everything. And mm. um, I just liked how, how essential it is. And I think the snow was the best. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's mm. it's the only place where you can set up a story like that. But mm. It's also like, must be a bit quicker to do backgrounds as well, right? I don't know, because no. they are much more complex than they look, yeah. actually. Uh, Tristan and all these uh, amazing uh, uh, brush, actually. So... You know, we worked with a lot of uh, matte painters that were really, really 
talented, but we needed to make sure the style was going to be kept. So he created all these brushes and stuff to limit the possibilities in terms of look. And, um, and it was actually more complex than it looks. And also they were massive. I mean, one of them was like 18, I think 18,000 pixels. Wow. Wide because there oh, it was yeah. a massive zoom out and stuff. Mm. You did a mass. It was a format that hadn't been done for. Yeah. Was it ever or? No, no, it doesn't exist. I mean, we basically the widest format ever uh, really was a uh, um, uh, the super cinemascope. It's like um, it's two forty or something like that, and that's super wide already. And um, and I wanted to be wider than that because <laughs> I thought. I don't know, for some reason, I thought it was too too narrow and too square still. And because I really wanted to lose my character in the landscape, uh, really to make it as huge as possible, uh, we went to 2.9. So it's a format that is inexistent. Right. So um, it's funny because in Indimbro, the film was screened and we were last of the screening. And uh, so all the other films were screened. And at the end of the screening, before my film, the, the screening posed and then you could see the curtains doing like <laughs> like going on the side <laughs> on going as wide as possible and then they were, the, the, the film was on the screen but there was even like black bars up and down because mm. it was yeah. so wide that mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, couldn't yeah. go uh, it was a yeah I quite like it would be cool if the room just expanded yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like putting so much money into the screening <laughs> that you yeah. expand the room but I mean, you guys did that with uh, uh, with yeah. everything. Uh, and Edinburgh fucked up the screening when they. Yeah, they told it. me. <laughs> oh, they told because you they, that? That, that there were some glitches on my. Uh, oh, right. Okay. On my screening, okay. and uh, but it was because of the DCP uh, problem. But mm, then uh, he yeah. told me, oh yeah, yeah, and he mentioned your film. Uh, was it Ian Gardner? Yes, he's the next person on the podcast. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's lovely. Talking, he's such a cool guy. Such an amazing guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you do the walk in the on the top of the mountain when you you went to Edinburgh? Well, I lived in Edinburgh for three years. Really? With Bjorn, we worked on the ah, Illusionist. Okay, yeah, of so, course, yeah. Yeah, we did it a bunch Yeah, of you times, did that, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's not much else to do in Edinburgh other than that, to be honest. But that was cool, though. It's amazing. It's, an it's amazing, amazing. But, yeah, no, they... Um, uh, I think it must be really difficult for 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 these people who put on these festivals like they're putting on like how many hundreds of films and yeah, they've got yeah. to get a different aspect ratio for every yeah idiot Wally, Wally thinks, like you keep up in <laughs> exactly. aspect ratio formats <laughs> <laughs> just but held up my iPhone at the, <laughs> <laughs> the cinema but that's why it's to me that's why it's so important to do a premiere because that's the only time you can control, control your screening yeah. and so you know, just to give that to the crew and to people that help mm. you or just your friends and stuff mm. is super important because then, I mean, my previous films in every every festival I went, like there was some problems, like it was too bright, it was too mm. dark, it was like uh, the sound was shit. I mean, you, uh, of course, it's super hard to keep the mm. high quality for every screening, so... Mm. Mm. And how, how did the... I didn't get to make it to the, to the uh, opening. How did it go? Um, it went well. Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, in Paris, we were in the Forum des Images, which is like the kind, the equivalent of BFI, really. Mm-hmm. And um, we're supposed to be in a room for 300 people. And uh, one hour before the screening, they were like, hey, we can give you the 500 room. So we had 300 people, but in a 500 room. So actually, Amazing. The biggest, room was, was it biggest screen? Yeah, it was the biggest room. And the screen was absolutely huge. Mm. And the sound was amazing. But even... 
even too big because like it was almost lost you know right. <laughs> the sound can you know it, yeah it, it was too big um but it was really nice and then we did a screening in london in um in the courthouse hotel where they have a nice screening room and yeah it went super well like yeah. it was packed mm. we had lots of people and mm. the the sound was really good so yeah i was yeah. very happy i went to that screening and um you said something at the end you gave a little kind of talk about it and um you mentioned something that was I found really interesting is that I forgot what a filmmaker like once made that film before yes. and it got lost. Yes. Uh, yeah, Claude Autant Lara was a, a great uh, pioneer in filmmaking in the in the twenties, thirties, forties. I mean, he died in the eighties, uh, being like a fascist, uh, a horrible man. But anyway, in in his <laughs> early days, he did a, he did a version of uh, To Build a Fire. He did the first adaptation, and it was um, made using a, a system that didn't exist yet. It was uh, the ancestor of the cinemascope. Okay. Um, and so they used special lenses and stuff using like a, a super wide aspect ratio uh, but uh, unfortunately the, scene, the film was seen once and then uh, it burnt and they lost all the original copies and stuff it's so tragedy, it? yeah it's a tragic thing and and also it's a tragic thing because it's, it was the first ever film made in cinemascope um, and uh, yeah I mean when, when I was looking like if, if it had been adapted uh, before I wanted to make sure you know I was mm. going to be able to offer something um, interesting or new at least um, but there was a few other adaptations that were really boring there was one uh, made in the 60s with Orson Welles narrating it oh, but he yeah. was just reading the novel um, so every word of the novel was being said and then on the screen you would see what the guy was describing in, oh, the, yeah. in the voice so it was the longest most boring thing ever um, and uh, yeah, no, there, there has been a few adaptations, but uh, uh, we, I really wanted to... Um, I, was, I was very happy to see that my attempt to, do, to adapt this film was going to be the same as the first ever attempt. Did, uh, was you paying homage or was it just uh, a coincidence? No, no, it think? was a coincidence. It's oh, like really? when I decided to do super wide and then I did some research and I realized that uh, the first guy that wanted to do this film uh, tried to do it super wide yeah, as well. That's a nice thing. So... I hope I don't become an old fascist when I'm 80. <laughs> I hope you don't lose it. Yeah, I hope it doesn't burn. Yeah. Um, did you see The Revenant? Yes. I saw The Revenant. Like, I saw the, the fucking Revenant like, while I was finishing the film. Yeah. Like, I, just, I was finishing it like literally. And I saw The Revenant. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it hurt me a little bit. Really? Because did you like it? it? I really liked it. I know a lot of people didn't. I don't know if you guys liked it. I I thought it was amazing, yeah. Uh, I I was just blown away. Uh, I love films that take their time. I love films that um, uh, they're filming a guy for three minutes doing nothing. I mean, I really like being installed in a film. And uh, I thought it was an amazing film. And I think he did everything that I could have dreamt to do. Yeah. so it was, it was it was tough to to watch the Revenant. Maybe they uh, saw that music video you did set in the snow. Yeah, of course. He, I yeah. mean, of course. <laughs> I mean, I decided to do this film before he did the Revenant. I'm pretty sure you saw that H and B commercial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think one thing that really annoyed me in the Revenant, though, because I could compare it to my film at one point, mm-hmm. is that there is a scene 
uh, where you see Leonardo being like a tiny dot in the screen and he walks yeah. in the middle of a huge valley. Mm. Uh, and of course, it's super impressive because he's uh, like a black dot in the middle yeah. of the huge valley and stuff. And it's a beautiful shot, aerial shot, shot with a helicopter. And that's my opening shot. But the thing that bothered me, because it's exactly the same shot, is that it doesn't even make sense in The Revenant because he's supposed to hide He's not supposed to be mm. walking in the middle of the valley. Mm. So it was just a beautiful shot, that, but that didn't make sense. They were just trying to rip you off, man. Yeah, and I was like, fucking, like, oh, like Oscar-winning director that is mm. ripping me off. No, that was, that was that, yeah. I was you got hacked or Tristan Menard's been, like, leaking stuff. Yeah. I know, I know. Double agent. I know, I mean, what can you do? I mean, I'm happy he got a, an, an award for that, <laughs> for ripping me off. <laughs> That always bloody Next happens, time. man. I know so yeah, many well. people who make stuff and then, like, while it's... Yeah. But even on that, uh, you did a pitch recently and then then it looks really similar to, like, a previous video that What's-His-Face had done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... It was, it makes, yeah, it was funny. We, we did a, a music video, which you'll never see the light of day. <laughs> um, but uh, we came up with this idea and it was like a brainstorm and it was like, you know, everyone in the room was kind of coming up with ideas and it genuinely came up like organically like you know bounced off a bunch of different people and then um and we hadn't looked at that artist's other videos uh and then like sort of submitted the pitch and then looked at the other videos and we were like oh shit this is quite similar like just randomly like very similar in concept to his last video his last video yeah yeah oh my god yeah and it was weird it was like there was no reason why it should be the same but it just kind of came but it, the came same thing out, happened yeah. to me for a music video recently really? I pitched I pitched something and uh, there was one music video from this band that I didn't see mm. that was hidden because it was probably not the one they wanted to promote the most mm. and once I delivered the pitch and I was so happy mm. <laughs> I just watched it and I was like oh my god yeah, <laughs> same yeah. setup same yeah. same so many details that were similar yeah. I was like okay this is just very because you wrong. don't watch it because you don't want to do the same yeah. thing and then yeah. you watch it after yeah, words and then you're like, oh, for when we were shooting joyride right on the last day the very last day of the shoot where we're driving the car off the edge of the building this guy was watching us and was like oh uh, what are you guys doing and i think james said to him oh we're you know we're making a sort of spoof music video thing with these guys driving around in a radio control car and he was like oh is it i just saw a, a music video like that did you guys do that one and James told me and I was like uh, what and then I kind of like half I was kind of a bit upset and I was that night I went and tried to look for it and I couldn't find anything and I was like oh maybe that guy's like mistaken or whatever and I think we were like a week or two into animating on it and I saw the video it was like a Rizzle Kicks music video and it's about the, these guys driving around in a remote control car and I was just like devastated uh, mm. but I think that it's probably more like of a is it's going to be more of a tim said something to me when this happened to us on our on on this latest project that we did he was like the only person who's the only two people in the world who are really going to care about it is you and the guy who made the last yeah yeah yeah, yeah, exactly (laughs) nobody else gives a shit it's true because i mean to build a fire there is a student that did a version of it that i discovered while we were in production i discovered he did a version but i didn't see it and i'm Mm. like okay well fine you know it's public domain everybody Mm. does what they want um, and then I saw the version once I finished my film, and uh, and thank God it was it was very different. Even though it's he started from the same, but he he 
he went really somewhere very different. Mm. Um, but I know, like, for example, it has affected the film a little bit in, in a few festivals because they were like, oh, we had this film already. And it's like, no, but it's a different one. It's yeah. probably based on the same story, but it's a different yeah. one. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's annoying. But what can you do? I mean, it's yeah. exactly as you say, you know, like... Uh, you it's can always going to happen to yeah extent. it's going to happen and you can have two times the same story actually I would love to see directors um, doing films from the same script mm. and I'm sure you have two different things even though it's the same idea mm. Mm. so it's just like in the end it's just a concept that is I mean, uh, I mean, I love Joyride, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I absolutely adore it. But it's a simple concept. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, the simpler the concept, the yeah, more likely it is. That the it's more likely it is to, to copied, yeah. it's just the way you make it that yeah, yeah. that is pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm yeah. pretty sure it's better than the right for cake music video. <laughs> it is. It is for sure. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about um, how you got started because you went to Supanfacom, right? Yes. So you so between making short films and getting dressed up as a granny and and starting as a director, how did that whole process go? And you, I guess, you met up with Matt Landor yes. at Supervcom. Yeah, I did. A, I did a film at Supervcom that was called Entus Brazos, which means in your arms, and it's a, um, an animation of a. Uh, a 3D animation uh, film of a tango dancer that lose the, the use of his legs and that rediscover uh, the dance sensation through an imaginary dance with his wife, um, which was really uh, not an exciting project for most people in my uh, uh, in my year at uni because basically you have to pitch it to have people and the only two people that wanted to work on it were the two people that ended up working mm. on it. So I was a bit, uh, yeah, it, it had a bit of a bumpy start. But then um, we, I went to Argentina. We worked with dancers. We, we learned how to dance tango. We really went into the thing. And um, the film um, really worked super well. Uh, we were major uh, of our year. And so that really promoted the film uh, instantly. You were what of your year? Major, like when you were the first, you know, like... Okay. Uh, we yeah we we came first uh, of our year with so this they, so so it's not like getting a first class degree it's, it's not, like it's they the, rate everybody in the school well it's not like yeah I mean you get a grade and we had the highest grade uh, so that made us first I mean okay. it's a bit stupid because okay. you know it's like everybody but it, but it has an impact it has an impact because I think. Um, the film, like you know, had a bit of mini fame to start with, and and then uh, we were super lucky. I mean, the film toured the world. We won a lot of awards in many many festivals. It went. We won the SIGGRAPH uh, against Pixar at the time against yeah, yeah. Presto, um, the the one with the magician, yeah, and yeah. Uh, which was amazing because then we got invited at Pixar, uh, which was the weirdest experience ever because it's like you're treated super well and you're just a no one. Mm. And it's just it was a, a, an incredible thing. So I think that. Uh, overall, the film toured like and for four or five years. It it it's, wow. it kept touring, and it wow. was even screened in Annecy this year again. It was screened in Annecy four times, I think, which Bloody is a, kind of a record wow. because in different selections every time. Um, so no, it, it 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 did super well, and I think that helped us uh, um, get some attention. And some producers in Paris uh, proposed us to represent us as uh, directors for commercials, and we we ended up doing a commercial. Um, for a bank that went really well, that won some awards, and that we won this commercial against Nexus, 
at the time, but we were nobodies, and so Nexus, uh, because um, they are good, <laughs> you know? they were like, oh, okay, instead of having them against us, why don't we just get them? And mm. so they contacted us, and, uh, and we, we, we got um, in touch, and we visited London, and then... Uh, they hired us so it was a very smooth pass like I, I, I would just work in studios for other people for like a, a year in mm. Paris uh, and then I, I became a director so it was a, I was pretty lucky how long ago was that now? it was uh, uh, nine years ago wow yeah that's so a long you time you were quite ago. young then yeah, 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 I was uh, twenty uh, three. Fucking hell! <laughs> yeah, I was twenty three. Wow. And was that like? Did you feel intimidated at all? No, Coming no, no. <laughs> but we were two. I mean, with Matt, that was the good thing. We were two, so it's much easier when you're two yeah. because you have much, much more confidence. Um, but also, I mean, we were. I don't know. No, we were really excited. I think we were very cocky to start with. Like we thought. Yeah, we're directors, you know, we've done one film and we're directors and we know what we're talking about. But I think, again, this is this naivety that helped us, like, just uh, mm. start. Um, no, no, it was not, uh, it was not, it was not worrying at all. I mean, mm. it was, I find, I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I found directing supernatural and super easy yeah. in a way. Uh, what I found hard is, is uh, I found making decisions super easy. Like I know what I want and yeah. I don't want. So, uh, and managing people is super um, easy when you work with great people because you yeah. respect them and you like yeah. what they do. So it's, it's not a struggle at all. What I found hard is uh, actually convincing people all the time is, is making sure people get on board with your ID and uh, repeating yourself clients. a million. Yeah. Yeah. Like seducing a client yeah. because every time you start from kind of scratch, feel like you'd be good at that. Well, I, I am, I am, uh, I am at ease uh, to talk to people, but I, I need to get to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I found super hard with commercials is that you pitch and, and if you get to present your stuff, you know, I know I can get people on board uh, more easily if I, if I have them in front of me. But if they just read a document and they do a 27 pages document and they just look at two, two drawings and they just judge me on that, it's really frustrating because I try to have an approach, to have an idea, to have a concept, to, to you know, it's... Uh, I feel like every problem that... Almost every problem that I come across in commercials has been by uh, been a factor of abstracted communication. Yeah, like it's it's always just been you haven't been able to talk to the right people, the people who are actually making the decisions. There was a decision chain that you weren't aware of, or there was like an internal structure within the people that you who were actually paying for it that you weren't able to navigate or whatever. And yeah, and there's too many egos uh, on the yeah. line as well. Uh, I think it's, it's, um, there's what's lost in translation, but there's also like uh, people have different agendas. I mean, I find sometimes when you work with certain uh, creative from agency, sometimes it's super easy. And actually I find it's super easy with older guys because they want to trust you. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they've proven the world they are good. So like they just want to work with good people. Uh, sometimes with super young creatives, I found that super hard because they need to prove that they are good and so they are they don't trust you at all and it's super hard because then you have to prove everything you choose is mm. the right thing. Mm. And uh, and it's true too many layers at some point uh, mm. uh, make decisions complicated. I found that, for example, sometimes when I'm confronted to the client directly at a pre-production meeting when you finally with the agency and the client and you know I can talk to the decision maker straight away 
it solves everything in mm -hmm. two minutes instead mm -hmm. of having 17 meetings talking yeah. about like what people might think it's yes. just yeah yeah, yeah. it's okay. crazy yeah. But that's the thing people don't know in commercials uh, you, you spend your life in meetings mm -hmm. and that's the thing I'd never expected <laughs> that my life was going to be a giant meeting <laughs> <laughs> um, have you found a way of making it enjoyable yes but I mean it's cool I mean um, It's 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 a cool job, really. Yeah, it's nothing to complain about. No, I mean, it's, it, yes, I complain because I find that very unfair that we're the only profession where, where where it's okay to work for free and pitch for free and and spend like two weeks doing things for free and then sometimes the project doesn't even go forward, uh, is not even awarded. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, any architect that is pitching on a on a project is paid for their time and for the money they spend they don't make a lot of money but at least the the, the time spent is covered i found that really uh, crazy because in our profession we we work for free so much and so therefore our time is not valued ever mm -hmm. it's like it's normal to ask us to do tests before even doing the film which is crazy i mean you, you wouldn't ask a live action filmmaker to to shoot a scene to prove that he can do nice light. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You wouldn't ask a chef to cook uh, some food for you and you try a different food and then you choose if you're going to pay for it or not. I mean, I found that frustrating. Uh, But I think that that's a symptom of the, what's bad about how our industry is managed collectively yeah. rather than the client demanding it. I think just because... Yeah, we're, we're too afraid studio. to say no. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 I mean, I know the APA, uh, the, the uh, Produ Producer Association, has been talking about that, but they're not, they're doing recommendations, but they're not, you know, they're not ruling how, you know, things should work exactly. And I think as directors, we're shit because the, the directors are shit to unionize and to. Uh, be one voice you know like everybody has their own strategy and their own agenda but then we're just the weakest of all because yeah. we're a key part of the thing but we, we can't have a, a clear voice uh, i mean that's the french in me that <laughs> that is talking but i think like overall i think there, there are changes that can be made uh, for us to be considered a bit more um, mm. because also we take so much risk at our yeah. own level yeah. um It's, it's yeah. really hard to, to be a director. I think a lot of directors make less money than if they were yeah, just animators completely. or working in, in studios. Yeah. Um, and we take a lot of risk. And, and when we win, everybody gets a share. Mm. But we don't get a, such a big share. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's really a, a risk to be a director, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Have um, you thought about doing more... Like, have you ever wanted to move into features or... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Or I think Series or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's the next uh, thing I'm really focusing on uh, now. I, I, I find doing commercial quite enjoyable because it's kind of... A, a, you can experiment a lot of things and you have money with it, which makes you able to meet incredible people, choose the artists you want to work with, uh, have incredible cinematographers. I don't know, I mean... I found that super exciting that commercial allows me to choose who I want to work with and to experiment. So even though at the end there's a big logo on the film, I, I've been able to do a lot of different films through commercials. But 
it's limited to the fact that it's it's a commercial. So whatever the emotion you put in it, there's a big logo at the end. And, you know, that as a kid, I never dreamt of just doing commercial. And as much as I love doing it, I want to also do stories for just for the sake of it, mm. not trying to sell yeah. product. And would that be live action or animation or just whatever the project dictates? Yeah, I think live action, definitely, uh, to start with, just because... It just costs so much less. I mean, do you think live action is cheaper than animation? It is much cheaper. You can do an indie film for a million pound in live action that that can look good if you don't have much VFX and yeah. But you cannot do that for uh, you cannot do a feature uh, animation for a million. I mean, it's going to look like shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I think also the market for animation is so much tinier. Mm. That is two factors that make it super hard. I mean, you look at every indie 3D animation films um, in in Europe, for example, they are rarely made for less than 15, 20 million. Uh, that's a budget you don't give to a newcomer. Mm. And um, I think if I want to prove I can do a story on a feature length, um, I'd rather um, exercise myself with live action than animation. Mm. So what's the route into that? I don't know. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I'm tr- no, Have but, you written a script? Yeah, I'm writing a script with a friend at the moment. Uh, I'm trying to adapt. Uh, there's three books that I really love that I'm trying to get the rights of. Uh, there is one book that uh, it's almost done. So I can't say the names mm-hmm. in case somebody steals the idea. But like, I think it's great to start from stories because it's all, also trying to... Uh, save time uh, in a way because starting from scratch is very long um, so oh, yeah so you're there, it's gonna, the, if you were to make a feature it would be an ad- adaptation uh, I like the adaptation uh, the idea of adaptation I mean a lot of my favorite films are adaptations and great adaptations so I think it's, uh, it's nice to start with something yeah. that you love yeah. um, it's super long to write a script and it takes I know my scriptwriter friend they tell me usually it takes like three, four, five years mm-hmm. uh, to write a good script. When you start from a, not, uh, from a book, you know, you don't have to solve all the problems. There's already a lot of things that are solved. Mm-hmm. You kind of know where you're going. So, mm-hmm. you know, I like the idea of being a bit more... Uh, I don't know if I could write something for five years, basically. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a long time. That's yeah. a long time. I'm not patient. I mean, I don't know why I do animation to start with, but, you know, you, you need to be so patient for that. How technical are you when it comes to animation? Uh, I used to be technical. Now I'm not very technical. Uh, I'm more, I would say I'm more like a conductor, or, you know, of an orchestra. Like, I don't play an instrument as well as the guys around me, but I know exactly what I want from from that. So uh, I think I, I became an expert on on nothing, but... A bit of a of a of an amateur of everything. Jack of all trades. Yeah, exactly. So that that's more where I am. But uh, so when you started out, when you made your uh, graduation film, what were you? What was your specialism at that point? Uh, when on the on my graduation film, I did a bit of everything. So we tried to take turns on everything. Uh, but after that, I was doing a lot of. Uh, uh, modeling uh, layout and uh, uh, compositing a lot of compositing I still do compositing a lot yeah uh, I love it but I like 
doing the finishing touches. What, what do you do, nuke or? After uh, no, After Effects. I'm still old school. I'm, mm. Yeah, I haven't I haven't jumped in the nuke thing. I should. I mean, but <laughs> it's just like I don't know. I mean, I'm not excited as I used to be to to learn a new software, but I should. Yeah. I don't know. Are you using new software all the time? I'm. I I try to use new stuff. I haven't got. Um, I haven't really tried out new yet. Max, who yeah, my brother, yeah. uh, who we work with, uh, jumped in last year, started using Nuke and just yeah, like for Joyride. Yeah, on Joyride. I think he was going to do it in After Effects, and I think he was encouraged by one of the partners at ETC to give it a shot in Nuke. Yeah, and he, re- I think, he quite reluctantly did it, but then loved. Well, I say loved it, but he he got on <laughs> like a house on fire on it. Yeah, yeah. I think he was able to do really menial tasks like rotoing and that a lot yeah. faster yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah. i when i see people using it i'm like you know for yeah. for that kind of compositing like there's yeah. there's a reason why people use it it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it makes so much sense yeah yeah no but it's, it's funny because it looks like a it just looks like a, a ball of wool that is completely tangled yeah uh, it really depends whose screen you're looking yeah. at <laughs> yeah. some people are shit yeah. some people <laughs> are organized but but yeah. yeah everybody that uses it says it's amazing so mm. Um, can I ask, like, you know, you said you used to work with Matt mm. as a director. How comes that partnership dissolved? Well, it's, you know, it's like, um, I think we, I felt at the time that we were in a, in a, in a moment where we were not renewing ourselves so much. Um, what do you mean? Well, basically, it's, it's when you work, when you're too... I mean, you, you know how it is to work uh, with different people. Uh, sometimes either you you bring your singularity and, and you, you it expands your thinking or you just limit yourself to what you're ready to compromise on. And I think that's what we started to do. He wanted to explore things. I wanted to explore others. And I think automatically we didn't really... Uh, um, we, we filtered what we were going to do together. And um, I think we reached a stage where we, we, we had... I wanted to do different things and he wanted to do different things and I thought it was good for us to, to stop uh, working together so uh, I, I broke up. Oh really? Yeah, I broke up. That was it. No, but like, yeah, I mean, obviously um, but it wasn't we're like two a, at the end but it's... Uh, it wasn't like a falling out or anything like that? No, 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 but I mean, it was it was hard. It's like a separation. It's like yeah. a divorce. It's never... It's never easy and, uh, and, and he was the... I mean, I saw him more than my boyfriend or... Mm. anybody else and we spent eight years every day together um so that was a that was a that was like a breakup really that mm-hmm. was really hard and i think um it was hard even for us for for a while to see each other i oh, really um i mean I, we never talked about that i mean uh, i hope uh, if he hears that he's not offended that i talk yeah, about yeah. that but it's it's i think it, w- it was hard and 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 it was not easy, and there was, uh, you know, there was stuff we needed to talk about, and it, it was yeah. it was not an easy one. But then, uh, I mean, now I just saw him like last week, and uh, it was great. I mean, I think I have a connection with him like, like Strong. I don't have with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of clicks. I, l- last year we did a conference together. Um, it was amazing. It was uh, at our former university, and we did like this three-hour uh, talk. And it was incredible how like all our automatism came back. Mm. And um, so you did a talk together. Yeah, yeah, we did a talk to talk about like how it is to be a director, etc. Mm. And um, 
and it was uh, yeah it was incredible like I, I we we couldn't stop laughing I mean, it was it was incredible so you ha- I, I assume you would have had to have written the talk together yeah yeah we prepared the talk together okay um, and it was funny because it was like we never stopped seeing mm. each other mm-hmm. uh, because we know each other very well so mm. um, but he's doing I mean he's doing great I'm doing great I mean yeah. we, we're doing we have different yeah. paths and he's doing he's done a lot of live action things he was um, uh, he's repped at Passion he right? was at Passion and now he's at uh, No Mint okay yeah. um, he did a live action film that is a short film that is uh, doing super well in festival it's called Zero Square Meters and it's really really amazing uh, it's it's a very good film, super well made, super well thought, um, very quirky and absurd, and, and yeah, I mean he's doing great. Um, so with, with the breakup, like logistically, how did it? Was it difficult because you stayed on at Nexus? Yes. Did how did how that how was that decision made? That well, that's the that's the hard thing. Like uh, we both wanted to stay, and uh, and uh, Nexus made a decision to keep me, which was. Mm. Um, yeah, which which was kind of uh, tough because obviously uh, you know it's like uh, I kept the kids and the, the house mm, kind of yeah, uh, yeah. situation. Uh, Did that make you resent Nexus at all that they didn't just keep him on as a separate director? N- I I obviously understand they couldn't keep both of us. Uh, it's I think it's very hard to have two directors with the same reel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it. I, it probably would have stopped our both our careers to stay in the same right, company. Right. Um, so I don't think uh, I understand why they did it. Uh, I think it was a horrible uh, decision to make anyway. I mean, yeah, if yeah. I had been the guy dumped, it would have been very yeah. sad. Um, but the good thing I think is that uh, it probably had. I mean, it was very hard on Matt, and I I know he, he probably was resentful for a while um, after that. But the thing that he quickly joined Passion, and he quickly yeah. was represented in huge other companies in mm-hmm. the uh, in Canada, in in the UK, and in Australia, and and quickly he did other stuff. So I think it it was just a, it was just a sad moment. But it, yeah, I think it's. It sounds like you are very mature about about the whole situation. It, no. It's like it must be a, a really difficult thing to. Yeah. No, it, it was difficult, through. and I, I think I mean, uh, uh, I felt really, I felt really shit. But I mean, you know, when you dump someone, you know, like in a relationship, because it's exactly that. Mm. You, when you say stop to someone, it, 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 even if you if you try to be clean, it's not clean for the other person, yeah, and sure. it's, uh, yeah. you know, I think you cannot. There's, there's never been a clean breakup in history. No, I mean, never. I mean, and it's, uh, it's because the, by the nature of it, uh, somebody gets fucked. Mm. <laughs> so mm. it's, uh, it's not cool. I mean, unless both are super happy to go yeah. their own way. Yeah, I don't think that ever really happens. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think it was a hard one. And I, I never really talked about it, actually. Mm. Uh, that's the first time I really talk about it, to be Sorry. honest. No, no, but that, that's... Uh, that's, what, you know, that's was cool. there any sort of logistics going with him going out 
did you go like, okay, you can have that on your reel and I'll have that just so that you didn't go out with the same reel? No, no, we were both super uh, uh, pragmatic about it. It was like we both did films and we both did them. So there is no way he would keep some films and I would keep some. Okay. Uh, we both had the paternity. So mm-hmm. we put everything uh, with both our names on both our website. Okay. And we, we I asked Nexus to keep his name on the stuff we did together and mm-hmm. he asked his companies to keep my name. And yeah. that was very clear. And uh, you, on our both website we still have our, both our names I mean it's did you have a pitch against him on a project uh, I don't think so because we have a similar reel so yeah, it's either yeah. he pitches or I pitch right, right, right. Uh, now it starts to be we ha- start to have different reels and yeah, yeah. we we have enough stuff to not show the old things yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, no I've pitched through against a few friends hmm. uh, but it's okay. I prefer that than pitching against somebody I don't know. Yeah, because at least if he wins, it's like it's my friend, yeah, so it's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm gutted, but it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we 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 do that quite a lot, actually. Like oh. you pitch against people you know, your mates with. Like we were pitching against Ant Blades. Oh yeah, that was funny because we were both we were, he we literally were, in the same building. Yeah, we, uh, really. Know, Ant Blades does Bird yeah. Box. Yeah, yeah. We were both pitching on the same thing. He was upstairs and we were downstairs, and we like agreed to send each other each other's pictures. <laughs> to have a look at them. So, really? Uh, I think we both lost out in the end, and I think it went oh. it went to some other company. Yeah, because you were too nice to each other. <laughs> you should yeah, do yeah. that. You should do that. It was interesting how different they were, though. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. really, really different. And then the thing that got made was well, no. What was interesting is that he he was going, oh, how come you um, you've done it like this? And we were like, oh, because they said they really liked this style of drawing. He was like, really? They told me something completely different. <laughs> oh. So they were almost like just getting to like very... uh, they really wanted to brief people differently. Mm. Yeah, they were like, that's one option. That's one option. Oh. Yeah. So it was oh, almost funny. like different briefs. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I pitched uh, against Clément uh, a few times. Who won? Uh, nobody, because the project got canned. Right. Which is even better, mm. <laughs> because nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody gets shamed. Yeah. <laughs> cool, should we wrap it up? Yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you, Dude, guys. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. Thanks, Thank uh, you. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That's all fine. It happens. Good luck for the edit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you...